From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. The rate of syphilis, gonorrhea, and chlamydia infections is rising both statewide and nationally. And with me in the HealthLink on Air studio to talk about the reasons is Dr. James Greenwald. He's a professor of family medicine at Upstate, and he says there are many misperceptions regarding STIs or sexually transmitted illnesses. Thank you for being here, Dr. Greenwald. Thank you. Let's start with the first myth. I think many people may think that there's an increase in STIs because there are more people becoming sexually active. Is that the reason? Uh, no, no, it's not. Uh, actually, uh, young people are putting off the date of first intercourse and you know, probably reducing their, their number of partners. So it would seem like a strange thing for this to be happening. It does. And, you know, the reason why we're seeing more sexually transmitted illnesses increase in gonorrhea and chlamydia is a, a source of debate. It's a little hard to do uh, research on these things, but it's thought in part uh, bec- to be due to the fact that more young women, uh, when they become sexually active with males, are using oral contraceptives and not thinking about sexually transmitted illness. Well, I got all my shots when I was a kid. I really don't need to worry about sexually transmitted illness and gonorrhea, chlamydia, uh, syphilis. There's no shots for those. So they may use birth control to prevent pregnancy right? and not even think about the diseases that they could. Exactly. Hmm. It probably has uh, something to do with um, uh, other other concerns, other practices. Uh, young people are more creative, I think, than, than uh, you know, the old generations were in terms of using different body parts for sexual expression. And uh, uh, oral sex, anal sex, you know, are seen not to be risky uh, and for, you know, but, and they're not risky perhaps for pregnancy, but, but they could be risky for uh, transmitting sexually, illness, sexually transmitted illnesses. So this increase in syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia, is this more of a problem for women or men? All the above. Okay. Uh, the, one of the highest levels of the chlamydia infection is in young women, uh, early adult and, and late teenage years. And uh, nearly half of all the 1.7 million cases, uh, you know, in, in the last year that we have numbers for uh, were in that uh, 15 to 24 year old group. So uh, it's, a, it's a problem for women. They're a little less likely to show symptoms early on in the illness with the gonorrhea and chlamydia. And it's only when the disease begins invading, invading the rest of the reproductive tract or causing symptoms elsewhere. Uh, the biggest one being pelvic inflammatory disease where they get a lot of pain, they can get scarring and damage to their tubes and loss of fertility from these conditions. And uh, whereas men, will often but not always have symptoms, uh, especially if they have a, uh, you know, it in their, their penis. They'll, they'll have discharge dripping or burning. doesn't always happen with women. So the symptoms are probably different for gonorrhea, chlamydia, and syphilis. Yes. Um, can we go over what, what you yeah. would need to look out for? Well, gonorrhea and chlamydia, I've mentioned the symptoms in females often are not there early on, and the symptoms in males uh, there are other places you can get gonorrhea. You can get gonorrhea in the eyes. You could get gonorrhea in the rectum. You can carry gonorrhea in the, in the oral pharynx. And there are different tests 
for different body parts. Unfortunately, there, there's no universal, you know, testing that's necessarily available in, in common doctor's offices, and, and some of the tests are, are not available at all in some doctor's offices, so it's a little bit of a barrier against diagnosis. Syphilis is, is very different. Uh, probably at least half of the people who get syphilis don't have any symptoms at all early on. It can cause a painless sore on the genitals uh, or wherever the port of entry is. Uh, later on, syphilis can then invade the heart, it can invade the brain, it can, you know, be transmitted to fetuses, and in all those cases can cause really very serious uh, and even fatal uh, conditions. So it's, it's really important that it get picked up early on. There's something called secondary syphilis where you get a rash that can last for a little while and uh, uh, causes, uh, but not very specific rash, little oval things that sometimes have scaly spots on them and uh, you know I do tests for it all the time when I see funny rashes and, and I, I haven't seen a case of secondary syphilis so a lot of the cases you just pick up by accident when you do testing uh, you know whether it's for pregnancy or for some other reason. So some of these it sounds like they can be serious problems it's more than a nuisance. Absolutely. These can be very dangerous. Absolutely. Okay, especially, um, I think I read something about pregnant women with syphilis. There's pregnant women with syphilis, you know, there's a high incidence of passing it on to children. Fortunately, you know, if they do have uh, um, prenatal care, I mean, it's, it's usually picked up. And a lot of times we pick up false positives on the syphilis tests and do some investigations and find out it's not a problem. But it's... Uh, for women who, who get prenatal care, which is the majority of women, it's, it, it is picked up, but it's a shame when it, you know, isn't prevented before then. Now, um, prevented is one thing. Prevention would be great to prevent getting these, but if you do contract one of these, they're treatable, right? They are. Uh, gonorrhea in particular has begun to develop uh, resistance against some of the common treatments uh, azithromycin is something that's that's been used, and uh, the rate of resistance to that, especially in, in large urban areas, less in Syracuse area, um, are uh, you know showing resistance. And there's been resistance to other common antibiotics also. So uh, um, you know we're we're on the lookout for that, uh, and uh, like to do follow up testing on patients uh, and testing on their partners as soon as we can. Now, what about herpes? Well, herpes is uh, common. It's not a reportable illness, and so it's not, uh, we don't have great numbers for the incidence of herpes. Uh, there's type 1 and type 2, and uh, they can be passed on. Either one can be passed on as, a, as an in infection in the genital uh, or perineal area. Uh, they're only dangerous, again, in the, when a pregnant woman has herpes at the time of delivery, uh, she can pass that on to her, uh, to the child as the child's being born. Uh, at a, but it's a nuisance at other times. And, uh, you know, it's something that uh, certainly the transmission can be reduced by people who have herpes uh, taking a suppressive medication when they're sexually active. Uh, and uh, to some extent can be prevented by barriers, but herpes doesn't always, uh, the lesion itself is, is often outside of the, you know, genital tract off to one side, and so it can, it can still be passed on, you know, 
all these things can be passed on if you use a barrier, uh, whether that's a condom or a female condom or a dental dam, which covers over the entire uh, female genitals. All those things uh, are used to prevent all these sexually transmitted illnesses, and they're, they're a big help, but they're okay. not 100%. This is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. James Greenwald, a professor of family medicine at Upstate, and we're discussing sexually transmitted diseases. We haven't talked about HIV. What are the numbers uh, looking like with um, transmission of HIV? It's wonderful news that the uh, rate of HIV, new HIV infections in the United States is falling. There are probably a number of reasons for that. Uh, we've focused a lot of our public health energy on uh, uh, preventing the spread of HIV uh, and on uh, early detection and treatment of people who are HIV positive, and then on uh, preventive uh, uh, pre-exposure uh, preventive treatment. It's called PrEP. Uh, that's a, a newer thing, uh, but uh, you can give low doses of HIV medicines on a daily basis, certain ones, and they will prevent people from, reduce the rate of picking up HIV. And so people who are at higher risk, people with multiple sexual partners, people, uh, men who have sex with men uh, in particular, and then people who have a partner who has HIV would should look into the, the PrEP um, situation and uh, see if their you know, doctor recommends it. So that's having an impact, a positive. All those things are having a positive impact on the rate of HIV. The downside of the falling rates of HIV is that uh, uh, men who are having sex with men are seen to be reducing the, the rate of using condoms because, you know, they know well their partner's HIV positive, but their viral load is zero, so their, their risk is very low, or perhaps they're using PrEP. You know, we don't know all the reasons, but uh, men have reduced the rate of using condoms and condoms can be used both by the, um, you know, to go over the penis. There's a, a female condom that can be used for rectal intercourse. So the, they, they quite likely reduce the rate by a lot, maybe not 100%, uh, but people are forgetting or just not using them because of uh, uh, the thought that, well, it's less of a worry than it used to be. And so that might account to some, for some of the increase in the other. That's some of the thought, so, especially okay. for the syphilis transmission, which uh, the, the highest rate of transmission of syphilis is uh, men having sex with men. Okay. Well, you're a family practice physician, so you have patients potentially from birth to old age, right? You see Absolutely. men and women of both uh, and all the ages. So when do you have patients that come in thinking they have a sexually transmitted illness, or do you come across something in an exam and then it's a total surprise for them? Uh, a little more often the latter, uh, for whatever reason. Uh, you know, I definitely have patients uh, who are concerned because they have some symptoms. I'll have other patients who have some symptoms and they haven't made the, the connection. And, uh, and then there's just routine screening and people who are sexually active uh, or been sexually active in the last few years uh, you know, I, I encourage them uh, to, to get regular STD testing. It's not difficult to do. We can check for HIV, for gonorrhea and chlamydia without even an internal exam on a urine test. Uh, and that will check a lot of the cases, uh, if not most. Syphilis testing, again, can easily be done as well as other diseases which can be transmitted sexually, such as uh, hepatitis B, 
There is a vaccine for that that can prevent that. Uh, and uh, uh, hepatitis C, which there is no vaccine for and probably has a sexual transmission. We're not really up on how that gets passed back and forth. So there's lots of things you can test for on a regular basis. And uh, we encourage that in all of our populations where they might be at risk. Now, New York State has listed reducing STIs as one of its um, key health goals for the next five years. Right. What's the plan for doing that? Well, they have four different plans. Um, they want the uh, uh, to increase uh, Department of Health Services to people who are newly diagnosed with STIs. And they've done a really good job uh, on that with uh, HIV uh, and uh, with partnering agencies, agencies that partner with the health department. Uh, it's a little harder for them to, to chase down chlamydia and gonorrhea uh, cases. Uh, sometimes uh, people don't want to share who their partners were. Uh, sometimes partners are hard, hard to find out. Um, they have, um, though, one of their other goals called expedited partner therapy is a law that was passed along with the uh, you know, the help of the American Academy of Family Physicians chapter in New York State uh, to make it possible that you can write a prescription for a partner of somebody. You don't have to put their name on it. Uh, you don't have to do use the electronic prescribing. You can give it on a written prescription. And the, and the legislature has renewed this, and the Department of Health have renewed this law so that we can treat partners early, especially for chlamydia, but also for gonorrhea, um, you know, if somebody's been exposed, uh, I have a new, you know, diagnosis on a patient, we can give them a prescription for their partner. Obviously, encourage their partner to go get health care, but for various reasons, uh, people don't always follow through with that. So expedited partner therapy and then uh, health department workers following up with people are two of the goals. Uh, the the other things that they're, they're hoping to do is uh, increase the distribution and use of condoms, through education by healthcare workers and county health departments. And uh, I, part of that is our, our office uh, is a teaching practice. We've had condoms now, uh, uh, you know, if we offer them to people who we think they might be helpful for and try to do teaching about condoms whenever we possibly can. And then uh, the last thing is encouraging healthcare providers to just ask, ask more often, uh, ask, uh, a more open-ended, a less um, um, judgmental interview uh, about the types of partners, the numbers of partners, the genders of partners, the body parts which are used uh, if uh, the rectum or the throat are used in sex, offering gonorrhea screening in those areas. You can't do the, the urine test uh, for those areas. So we just try to be more open-minded, a little more thorough. And, uh, you know, I'm surprised. Patients uh, are not squeamish about it if they hear about it from a patient they're they're and they're happy you know that that we ask them the questions sometimes they chuckle if uh, they say oh no that's not my issue or whatever but uh, uh but you won't know if you don't ask you don't know if you don't ask and uh uh you know when i see situations that i never used to see before uh you know like a chlamydia infection in a female who's only sexually active with females um, you know, I know that, uh, uh, you know, I need to do a better job at uh, just being open-minded and asking. Okay. Well, thank you so much for the information. Yes. My guest has been Professor of Family Medicine, Dr. James Greenwald. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.